0: Welcome to Talking Sense. I'm Mark Osorio.
1: And I'm Teresa Arago. We're financial advisors, and if there's one thing we understand, it's that money can be confusing.
0: So get ready, because we're breaking down what you don't know about money today on Talking Sense.
1: Life has its ups and downs, just like the market. Finding an advisor to walk with you through them as you work toward your goals is an important step. For some, that process feels overwhelming. So today we're going to give you three questions to ask your advisor to help you make sure they're the right fit for your journey ahead. So thank you guys so much for joining us today. Of course, you know, Mark, when we think about questions to ask your advisor, there's a thousand things that could come up. So we chose to kind of stick to the top three that we felt like were important.
0: Yeah and a big part of the reason why is because an advisor wears many hats mm-hmm. right so finding one that is the right fit for you is very very important
1: i think a lot of people think of their advisor when it comes to investments they think they're yeah. investing my money and that's basically where most relationships stop mm-hmm. but we at jim wealth we find it to be more important that they also be counselor coach, provide accountability. So we're going to give you three questions to ask to help you figure out if they are a good fit for you based on kind of what we feel like is important. Um, So let's just jump right in. The first thing that we feel like you should ask your advisor is what licenses do they have and what specialties or special training do they have as well? Um, Licensing determines what tools they have access to. Mm -hmm. So if they're not what's called fully licensed, then that means that they're not going to be able to utilize all the things that are out there in the market to meet your goals.
0: Yeah. So, for example, whenever I started in the industry, I was licensed to be a stockbroker. Right. So what that means is that you have to pass a state law exam as well as what's called a series seven. right? And with that, you can uh, trade securities. But that doesn't allow me to be able to advise people on what to buy and sell. Mm-hmm. Right? I got that license. That license down the road. Uh, so again, depending on the type of license that folks have, they might be able to, for example, only uh, sell life insurance mm-hmm. or
1: annuities. If that's all they can do is fixed annuities, then mm-hmm. they're not securities licensed.
0: Right. And so sometimes you might fall into the trap of, uh, you know, hearing somebody that is only, yeah. for example, uh, you know, licensed to sell life insurance and. Uh, you know, then if that's the case, that's, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but that just means that you, we want you to know that that's all that they are allowed to sell. Therefore, there could be a great variety of different things that you might not be able to uh, to go into or, or purchase or invest uh, just with that individual.
1: Yeah, so we think that you know it's really important that you understand the limitations or the opportunities with your advisor. And there is this group of people out there that call themselves financial planners that are not securities licensed. And so what they'll do is they'll, you know, do some research and, and tell you, hey, these are the things you need to invest in, but they can't actually do the investments for you because they're not securities licensed. And to me, that would be like me trying to be your mortgage broker when I can't actually do mortgages. Yeah. So I think it really, yeah. it hampers their ability. I think they do the best they can. I, I believe every advisor does the best they can um, for the most part. But, you know, if they have kind of their hamstrung by their licensing, then it's just going to limit what you have access to there as well. Mm-hmm. And, and circling back to training, just like lawyers can specialize, you can have an estate planning lawyer or a family law lawyer. In our industry, there are specializations that you can do, special trainings and certifications that you can get as well. And, you know, with our team, most of us are going to go a specific route because of the focus that we have, which is retirement income planning. Right. And and so both you and I and several of our other advisors have completed what's called an RICP Certification, it's retirement income certified professional. Yeah. So, talk a little bit about your experience with that training because I think that's important for people to hear.
0: Yeah, it's essentially an in depth dive into how to turn a, just about any asset into a retirement income stream. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in, in that sense, we are very capable of being able to talk to folks about, you know, anything from real estate to. Uh, to investments, you know, to you know, just about any other asset, and talk to them about how you know we can generate an income stream, right, based off of uh, you know the, the types of assets that they have. So it was it was very very educational. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and again, um, makes us really keen and able as far as uh, being able to to provide that service for our clients. And
1: what I enjoyed about the training, too, was that, you know, when you're getting licensed and you just have to pass some tests, right? You Mm -hmm. have to be able to regurgitate information, really. And it it is hard, but it certainly doesn't really prepare you for all the facets of what we do. Mm -hmm. So you learn about investments, you learn about, you know, broker dealers and all these fancy jargon words, but taking that and applying it just like any degree you get, you know, you learn just enough to be dangerous at first. It allows you to refine your knowledge into really setting people up for winning, going into getting them ready for retirement and getting them through retirement. So I found that to be a very fun and um, educational for me. And I'm hoping that that has translated into me being an even better advisor for my clients. One little trick you can use to know the licensing, the certifications, the trainings of the advisor you're looking at is to go to a website called broker check. And on that, you got to start with first, if they're not on there, they're not licensed at all. They may not be fully licensed if they're on there, but they're not securities licensed. If they're not on that site, site. So make sure they're on there. And then it also on that site will tell you about any sort of customer complaints that have happened in their Mm -hmm. past. Um, So it can maybe help you notice whether they have the licensing, but also if there's any flags to watch out for.
0: What we call uh, disclosures, right? So anything that's been filed, you know, for example, bankruptcy, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's some advisors out there that might have had Uh, or been under some financial distress and they Mm -hmm. had to file certain things. So things like bankruptcy would also be under there.
1: Yeah. So ask them about their licensing. Ask them about any specialized training they may have done. And then the second thing we'd say you need to ask them about is how do they get paid?
0: Yeah. I hear this question. Uh quite a bit, right? Yeah, and it's and important. rightly so. Yeah, exactly.
1: And to be clear before we get into this, there's not necessarily a wrong answer for this from any advisor. There's not one pay structure that is better than the other. In our typical planning for retirement, you're gonna have a combination of the things we're gonna talk about here in just a minute. But it just is important for you to know what you're walking into in that relationship so you're not shocked by anything later on.
0: Yes. So the the more old school approach is what uh, what we refer to as, as brokerage, uh, what other people refer to as commission-based, right? Mm-hmm. That just means that every uh, investment that is purchased has an associated cost along with the purchase of that investment.
1: And usually it's going to be on the front end. In mm-hmm. most cases, you're paying that upfront, and it's intended to be held for a period of time.
0: Right. Yeah. And but that also means that anytime that there's a change uh, in investments or that kind of thing, that there's also added fees mm-hmm. because of those changes, so uh, because of that, there's been a transition into uh, the more new school approach, uh, which we call fee-based or ma- uh, management-based. And uh, so it's basically the, the uh, comparison between transaction expenses versus management expenses.
1: So the difference here and in, in where those are best used is if you need active management on a particular asset, and often if you've got a larger balance diversification active management becomes even more important Mm -hmm. you know when you're first getting started uh, that volatility is really your friend but as you get into retirement and things you've got to have some steps in place to keep things well diversified and and actively monitored changed adjusted so you're paying a portion as a percentage of the account balance instead on an ongoing basis but you're also getting active management as a Mm trade-off so it's not like you're paying you know, for nothing. You're getting yes. something for that. And in one way we help people remember this as we talk about Walmart versus Netflix. So if I wanted to watch Rocky every day, all day for the rest of my life, and I had no desire to watch anything else, I could go to Walmart and buy Rocky right now for probably $25. And that would be fine because it's the yeah. only thing I want to watch. If I want to have the ability to make changes to watch one show and switch to another, I can't get that easily by going to Walmart and buying all of those movies individually that would be very costly to me
0: yeah not, a, not to mention all the trips you have to make back and forth right the
1: gas money Ooh, let's not even get into that right now yeah. so not convenient in a commission or excuse me in an advisory type account if I had Netflix I pay a monthly amount uh, and I can switch from show to show I can watch five minutes of one switch to another one and there's no f- new expense when I make those changes so that's one way to maybe help you remember the differences mm-hmm. and those two are very common in the industry no matter where you go you're going to see them the amounts can vary on that management side um, but those brokerage ones those ones that have the upfront fee those are all determined outside of our control so those are pretty much universal across the the platforms now we've seen in recent years some changes that we do feel like people just need to know are out there so you're not shocked by it if you hear about it Um, there are some advisors um, who are deciding that you know what commissions uh, advisory all of that that's good. But I also ha- I need to be compensated for my time. Mm-hmm. And so there are some that almost have like a retainer or a, a, a subscription type agreement where you're paying to get the advisor's time as well mm-hmm. on top of the management itself or yep. in place of it in some cases.
0: Right, and sometimes this uh, becomes a little bit more applicable whenever we're talking about you know uh, beginner investors, mm-hmm. you're starting clients. That way, there could be a higher cost, you know, if you were using uh, the same model for uh, investors that are further down the line. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's really kind of looking at you know what's what's the more the most beneficial way, uh, like you said, to, for the advisor to be compensated, depending on also who who we're working with, because yes. it makes a difference.
1: Yes, especially for those smaller clients. You know, if you're if you have a new, adv- a new client who just got started, their assets are not going to produce a lot of income, but the advisor is labor intensive at that point. There's a lot of coaching yeah. and things. So sometimes that makes sense. But, you know, again, there's no wrong answer here. It's just important that you understand that.
0: Yeah. And just one point that I wanted to make, uh, kind of going back to your uh, Walmart versus Netflix analogy is that, you know, I don't know many people that don't have uh, you know some movies in mm-hmm. their house, but also have Netflix, right? So they've right. got both because right. uh, you know one one thing that we say is that there, there's not one that's necessarily better than the other, right? Mm-hmm. And and usually we use a combination of both depending on the need.
1: Yes, it's all about the purpose of the investments and what we're trying to accomplish that'll determine which one we use. At least here at Gen Wealth, yeah. So we want to make sure you talk to them about their licenses and their training. How do they get paid? And then this last one is the one we're the most passionate about, if I'm just being honest with you, and that is what is their process? So first of all, do they have one?
0: Yeah, yeah. So if meeting your goals, right, is... Uh, we believe that that's already something that's you know pretty complex and something that's unique to you, right? So, uh, making sure that, they, that there's a process in place to be able to align your investment strategy and uh, you know, how you're using your money to your goals that mm-hmm. is paramount.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people, you know, especially younger people, I've I've found this a lot in the in the room meeting with people. They'll, when I ask them, "What's your plan? What are your goals? What are you working towards? And and what's your your ultimate?" Destination. It feels overwhelming to them, but a lot of them will also answer, "Well, I'm I'm getting the match at the at work. Cool, that's great." But that's not a plan. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of tossing Jello at the wall and hoping it sticks. Right. You're throwing money at your investments, but there's no purpose to them. And what what tends to happen when there's not purpose and direction on the front end is that you lose motivation when the market goes down, mm-hmm. or you sell at the wrong time because you don't have a roadmap to help you stay.
0: The course. Yeah. And the thing is, here, here's the thing, guys. So we're so passionate about planning that we wrote literally a manifesto yeah. <laughs> on it. <laughs> so that's that's how big we are into it. But in that, uh, one of the core beliefs is that uh, there's, there's a huge difference, right, between um, the, between the the planning in terms of it's it's the boat that you're on. It's mm-hmm. not it's not a life preserver, right? Right. It's not a lifeline. It's the the thing that is driving you towards your goals, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so just in case, or just you know, throwing your money in investments. Isn't uh, isn't a, a plan, right? So uh, w- I think that the important thing here is that if you're not driving, you know, to your your uh, towards your goals in a, a purposeful way, then you're just floating adrift.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of times what tends to happen is that people end up with a very um, lack of a better way to put this just kind of a narrow plan so they're talking about investments with you they're talking about maybe rate of return which none of us can control just for the record Um, but they're not really thinking of all the other pieces if you're young do you have life insurance because your savings right now and your income are doing something for your family and they're working towards your goals so if you're not talking about life insurance as part of your plan then you're missing part of the pieces. You're, you've got kind of a narrow view of what you need to look at. And that's only one of the many facets that we cover with people as part mm-hmm. of our planning process.
0: Yep. And again, one of the biggest reasons why we uh, make sure to get our, uh, our specializations kind mm-hmm. of like the RICP is because you know, when, when it comes to retirement planning, that is so important just to, to put all the pieces in the right order.
1: So we're about out of time. So I wanted us to go over kind of our last two cents here. And, and for me, your goal is as unique as you are. The goals that you have planned out are so unique, just like you. So make sure your advisor has the right tools and training to serve you as you work towards them.
0: And for me, I would say that if your advisor doesn't have a process Mm -hmm. or, you know, if the process seems vague uh, or pretty cookie cutter, then maybe it's time to consider switch or, you know, finding a second opinion, Mm -hmm. you know, find someone whose training matches your goals and whose process clearly outlines how you will work towards them.
1: So we're just going to recap again. We're talking about licenses and specialties, how they get paid. And what is their process, which really is the biggest piece of it for us. Thank you guys so much for joining us on Talking Sense today. Uh, Again, I hope we were able to give you something that you can apply and maybe decide if you're on the right track with your advisor, or if maybe there's a switch in mind for you too. Um, On our next episode, we're going to talk about how buying cows can help you win in investing. So we hope you'll join us. Have a great week.
0: Moo! Thanks for listening to Talking Sense. And if you like what you hear, make sure and subscribe to the podcast to get all the newest episodes.
1: The Genwalt team is available to you 24-7 at info at GetReadyForTheFuture.com. Or you can call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526.
0: And while we like to have fun here, we're also financial advisors, and that means disclosures. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success.
1: Jim Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.